Lord, I just thank you in the name of Jesus that you you are here. You desire to be with us, and I pray that even as this is the last day that we're going through this, to God, you just let your presence be with us. Holy Spirit, I invite you. You are welcome in this place, and my desire is that we would have ministry in this class today. And I just thank you that you've gone ahead of time, and you've already set this table. You've already set this place, and we shall see your work in our midst this morning. I pray for each and every single person here families represented and ask you that you would bless each and every single one of them to know the wealth and the depth of your love and to walk in it. I praise you because you are a good God and I honor you for it. There's nothing that we have that we would give to you that is worth a payment of all you do and all you've done for us. And so we praise you and we worship you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, Matthew, Mark chapter 16, which is the theme of what we are doing. Um, and I just want to sort of do a summation before we get into this last portion. What I would like to do today is do less talking and a little bit more, more doing. Um, because I believe that, you know, you can only teach so much. And at some point you've got to let the Holy Spirit just have his way, and so we're going to be doing some praying today, and uh, just allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. So if you would please, Mark chapter 16, I do believe it's verses 17 and 18. These, mira am I on? Yeah. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Okay. So one thing that is key here in the scripture that we're reading in Mark is you don't ever forget this part. Signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. Okay? Signs follow the believer. Believers don't follow after signs. Believers follow after the one who gives signs, which is God. And don't forget that equation. So in all the things that you're going to do, because what I'm believing God for is that there's an activation of gifts within us. And as that activation of gifts is because of you as a believer following after God. And as you follow after God, then the signs will follow you. And we talked about first, we talked about the miracles. And we talked about tongues. And then Pastor Ken talked about healing. And so today we want to talk about deliverance. Okay, so central to deliverance is this one thing that we've got to grab a hold of. It's so simple, and yet it is a complex matter. The battle of everything that has to do with deliverance is in is in the mind okay 
the battle of everything that has to do with deliverance is in the mind. This is where it is all taking place. Because whatever you perceive or think to be true will be true to you. The Bible says in Proverbs, as a man thinks in his heart, as a man thinks in his heart. Now, this is not the pumping organ when he says, as a man thinks in his heart. The heart is central to who you are. It's where you live life out of. The heart of you. Okay? So as a man thinks in his heart, so you think with your mind from what is in your heart, that is who you are. That is what you think. That is what you gravitate towards to. Those are the things that you're going to begin to start seeing. So the question that we have to ask in order for us to be able to walk in true freedom is to ask this question here. Who are you? You want to have a crack at it? Is, is that the mind is not the brain. That's not your brain. Your mind is who you really are. Just so we clear that up. Is that okay? Okay. Here, hold this. Okay, just to help what you're trying to say. Right. I'm, I'm expounding on what you're saying. Okay, so the mind is material. If you shoot me, you open up my head, there is this thing called the brain. If you take it out, the immaterial portion of my mind is also gone. So the mind is made up of material, which is, yeah, the brain. Right, the brain. You can touch it. You can. The, the the scientists will tell you about the things that wires and whatever, whatever. Then there's the, a material portion of it to where I think and process. Okay, so that's what's made out of it. So as a man thinks, here is what he's trying to say. That's central to who you are. But the more apt word is the word heart. That's where you. That's where life is going to flow out of, from the depth of you, from your your numa, your spirit. Okay, so that's why it's essential for us to understand. I, 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 there's so much. I was I was trying to figure out. I mean, I, I taught this back in Zen, went through classes myself. There's so many different directions we can go on this, and I have been praying and asking God which one should we walk in. So. Bear with, I'm not going to give you all. I can tell you right now, you're not going to get all of it. Because then we have to then talk about the makeup of man, being mind, body, and spirit. Talk about the makeup of man. But I, I'm cutting out a lot, so just bear with me. I'm, I'm zeroing in on where I'm believing God is wanting to lead us to. Is that okay? So just, just, just trust me for a little bit, and then we'll get to a, a desired end. Oh, okay. So what's central...
What's central to deliverance is answering this question. Once you are able to answer this question, a ton of issues that you face in life can actually be solved by answering this question. So I'd like to pose this question out to you guys. And then we're going to start from there and we're going to build up from there. So who are you? How would you answer that question? Yes. Okay, anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? You said heirs? Thank you, Annie. Appreciate that. Did you say complete? Okay, anyone else? You said hearers and doers. You said what? Thank you, Dabby. Thank you. But don't be mad at me afterwards, okay? You said a sinner who? Okay. All right. Tommy. Are you this? Are you this? Are you all these things? So what's the difference between the two of you? If you're all these things, what's the difference? Because I'm a child of God, you're a child of God. Who are you? <laughs> I, I won't argue with that. <laughs> I won't argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. 
okay? She said she was prettier. For those that are listening to this message, this is Annie telling me, Pastor Tonderai, that she's prettier, and I am not arguing. Okay, right. All these things that you have said is true of each and every single one of us, but does not differentiate us. The key that I'm trying to give you is, yes, this is true, and I hope you believe it and hold it in your heart, because this is true. This is the beginning journey of it. To answer this question is not a one-time event. To answer this question is also a lifelong pursuit. You've got to discover yourself in him as he reveals himself to you. And then you understand who you are personally because the one thing that you have to hold on to and understand is your value in him without holding on to the sense of your value in him then that's what the bible says we are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine because we don't hold steadfast to the truth of who we are the bible says guard your heart from from it flows all the issues of life to guard your heart is to guard your identity in Christ. You understand? To guard your heart is to guard your identity in Christ. All these are excellent answers. And yes. Correct. That's correct. Because it's easy for us to get double-minded, and when we get double-minded, then that, that you're saying that the Bible says that we should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, and what causes us to be double-minded. I'm going to get there. Okay. All right. So, she brought up a very interesting concept that I want us to look at. She said she is a sinner. Sorry. Finish it off for me. Sinner who's loved by God, you said? Okay, who needs the love of Christ? Which one are you? Somebody say both. This is the fun part. Okay. Go to First John. And you're going to read from verse First John chapter 1. Okay. Um... Just read from verse 1. We proclaim to the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one who is life itself, who, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. 
we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Okay. All right. So he's saying what? I'm writing to you that you what? You do not sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate. You have an atonement that has already happened. If you look at all the epistles and, and, and Paul writing on the epistles, he does not address people as this. He addresses them as saints. And this is very key in order to walk in full deliverance. Because if we keep seeing ourselves as sinners, and yes, we are saved by grace, and then God loves us and all that, and all that is true. But I want you to start looking at yourselves more in this aspect. This is what helped me start walking in true freedom. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and we were told that only certain people could be saints. That we, I could not be a saint, and you could not be a saint, and you had to go through all this rigmarole and prove your life, and probably at the time that you die, then we look back, and then that's when we decide that you were saints. But you're a saint, not because of what you have done, but because of Jesus who is in you. And now, if you are a saint, you still have things that you battle with. You battle with the world, you battle with your flesh, and you battle with, with Satan. Those are the three things that you're going to battle with. So imagine this, okay? There's a car. It sits in the garage, beat up. Guy comes and he works on it and he works on it. And he's able to drive it for five miles, and after five miles, it's done. It's now moving again, and he has to tow it back to the garage. It spends its time in the garage more often than not. This is a saint, a car that moves. It moves, and it's always on the road doing what it is supposed to do, but sometimes it needs to go into the garage because it breaks down. That's the difference. These are both cars. Okay, this one here sometimes does okay, but most of the time is not. This one here does okay most of the time, but then sometimes it breaks down. So you've got to see yourself as a saint, again, not because of what you have done, but because of the fact that Jesus Christ lives in you. If you don't see yourself as a saint, and I remember having tons of arguments theologically about this because he's saying I'm writing to you so that you do not sin but if you do sin you have an advocate and he cleanses you from some of your unrighteousness 
Some, a little bit, most of it, all. So if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, are you still a sinner or are you now a saint because you've been cleansed from all unrighteousness? Okay, so the first level of walking in true freedom is to accept who you are, to accept your identity. I, 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 I can just stay here and we could be done with the class on just dealing with this aspect um, of, of, of on, on deliverance. Because if you don't accept who you are, if you don't take a hold of it, work every day. When you read those scriptures, if you're reading them with these eyes, you're not going to see God properly. But if you read them with this, with these eyes, it will allow you to see a revelation of good. Do you know that people struggle to see God as a good God? They think God is sitting there with a hammer and he's waiting. Just you, you just do something wrong. He's waiting to hit you with the whip and waiting to make sure that punishment comes your way. You, 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 just, you even just thought about it and God is ready to draw his whip. That's how people see God. Or they see God as though you have to jump through 50 hoops to get your answer. I have to fast. I have to pray. I have to supplicate. I have to be good for a week. If I need healing in my life or in my family's life, people will look back at the things that they have done wrong and say that God's not going to come through for me because I am not good enough. And so if something doesn't happen, if God doesn't come through with those miracle signs and wonders, it must be because I have sin in my life. And so what we then do is we glorify sin by giving it p power that it actually doesn't have because we're trading our identity by saying, I am just a wretched person, or I'm terrible, I'm wrong, or I always do evil, or, blah, 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 or whatever it is that you struggle with, you just call that and you look to that as your identity. You all gave me those good answers. I'm an image bearer. I'm a child of God. I'm, do we know what that really means? when we call that because those are great answers but have those answers taken root in our hearts because if those answers take root in our hearts then we will contend for ourselves we will contend for others knowing that it is not a struggle to allow God to move on our behalf it is not a struggle to follow what God has asked us to follow John says his commands are not burdensome but we look at it as burdensome because we look and try to do God things in the flesh because we see ourselves as sinners. So I continually want to do good. I want to, but I continue to try to do that good in my flesh as opposed to allowing the Holy Spirit to do it with me. Live life. Go. Be in fellowship. If we are in the light as he is in, in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of jesus christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness as i go this is not an event it's as i go because trust me if we were to look at all the laws that were written under moses we're all breaking something but what gives me confidence is not my ability to stand. What gives me confidence is his ability to stand up in me. No temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to men. But God is 
graceful, he has given us a way in which we can stand up under it. So which means that you are tempted, you've got stuff that you go through, but God is the one that gives you the ability to stand up under it. So when we talk about having faith in God, we only think about faith in certain dimensions and places. I need faith for healing. I need faith for my rent to be paid. But I also need faith to walk in righteousness. I need Jesus to be strong for me in order for me to walk in true righteousness. So I'm not looking to myself and saying, hey, I got this. I got this. And I'm not looking to myself to say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on it. Oh, man, I messed up again. Or, you know what? I just, I just mess up. That's just who I am. You know, I just can't handle it. I'm just going to go and do stuff. I'm just going to go and say stuff. I'm just going to be mean. That's just, it's just my personality. It's just the way God made me. And the truth is that's the confession that is on our lips and our minds. We judge ourselves and we call ourselves by those things. And now because we are in that place, then it is easy for us to fall into a place of manipulation. Listen to me. The person who is deceived does not know they are being deceived. You cannot say that, you know. Wednesday is my deception day, so... Don't talk to me on Wednesday because that's the day I get deceived. So just keep me out of that loop and conversation on Wednesdays. And you don't know. You're walking in something right now. Each and every thing, I'm in my opinion box. Each and every single one of us walk in something we believe to be absolutely true and it is a lie. Each one of us. There's something we hold and we think, I'm so right. I'm so wrong. But we're so convinced about it. And that's why deliverance is difficult. Because in my mind, I'm walking in absolute truth. And yet I'm under deception. Okay? So here are the three things that we're fighting against. The world, flesh, and Satan. Let's look at that for a second. The world, the flesh, and Satan. What do we fight against when it comes to the world? What's the biggest battle? What are the battles? Let me not say biggest. What are the battles that we face when it comes to the world? I heard something, but I didn't hear it. Reality? Oh, materialism. Okay. Somebody say something now. Culture. Did somebody say selfishness? Sorry, I'm writing shorthand. The lust of the eyes. 
the last of the eyes. This is in John, first John. Read the whole book. You'll find it. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These do not come from God. But they come from the world. The lust of the eyes will look for the things that are flashy. The lust of the flesh will look for things that are comfortable. The pride of life because we always want to come out on top. We always want to look a certain part. We want to project a certain image to the people that we interact with. Nobody in here wants to be known as weak and able. Nobody in here wants to be known as unsuccessful. Nobody wants to be known as a fool or stupid or less than. Here's the thing. The very things you think about yourself that I'm not, I'm not able or I'm dumb or things are always wrong or I'm always sinful are the very things you try to hide from people. That's fighting in the flesh. You know, one of the periods in our services that really gets at my heart is the altar calls. Man, you can sense the presence of God. An altar call is made and people remain comfortable in their spot. You say, hey, if you don't know where God is leading and taking you, come forward for prayer. I guarantee you, lots of people don't know. But nobody's going to come to the front. And nobody's going to get prayed for. Because of this and our appearance, our ap appearance to the world. The world has its own agenda. Okay? The world has its own agenda. Jesus in John says, the prince of this world has no hold on me. And he's talking about the devil. We'll get into that. He's talking about that has no, has no hold on me because he has deceived so many that they walk in death. And the way to defeat this is not to walk in a defeatist attitude. Listen, when you signed up for this thing, you signed up to be in a battle. Okay, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, have your more so when you said, use me, Jesus, I give you my life, use me, at you are signing up for battle. Satan does not care about you and I, but he cares about hurting God. And the way to hurt God is to hurt those whom he loves. So he's then after us. We've got our flesh, Romans, chapter 8, chapter 7. We have the sin nature. Paul writes and he says, every time I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body? And he says, praise be to God for his son, Jesus Christ. And here's what's important for you guys and, and me to understand about our identity. I'm still on identity. I haven't moved. Here's what's important. You and I 
died. Right? I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. You and I died. That's what we did when we went to baptism. We baptism, when you go into the water and you come out, you're saying this is the old. The person that comes out of there is a new person. That's the declaration that you're making. So which means the old person died and the new person came, came alive. That new person walks in Christ. That new person sees and speaks the truth in Christ. And if you see, walk, and confess that truth in Christ, more often than not, then your emotional health follows. We live life by emotion because we are hurt by things. We're hurt by the things that happen to us. We're hurt by the things that happen to other people. And because those emotions are so real and so true, we start identifying ourselves by that. And yet we need to identify ourselves by the truth of God's word. You would <laughs> See? Apple. The world doesn't understand it. You know, I say this, and I, I'm, I'm trying to put the amount of weight I can possibly put on what I'm trying to teach here. I could start just going through different scriptures in my mind, but you have to make that decision that I am in Christ and he is me and I in, in me and I am one with him. Because what the Bible says about you that you have become you, you, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You you, you, yes, you, the one who has those thoughts that you have and those struggles that you have and those things that you're doing and those attitudes that you're carrying, you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if I accept that, if I accept that and I walk in that, I will eliminate so much weight from my life because of the fact that I've accepted that truth. But if I continually walk in judgment of myself, as though righteousness is my job, I will continually fall. You will not be able to achieve righteousness by yourself. Never. You will not have a perfect day. Never. You cannot. You cannot have a perfect minute. It's not possible. The Holy Spirit in you can have a perfect minute, can have a perfect hour, can have a perfect day. Because as I walk and I'm in fellowship with him, I walk in the light. I'm not in darkness. Do you are walking in light. The thing is, the image I see is some of us are curled up in the corner in a room of light acting as though we're in darkness. Though you are in the light. That's why, if you listen to what I was saying when I preached over the weekend, if things don't look right, man, go to your secret place because you're in the light. You say, God, what's up? What's going on? I need to understand that I can see, that I can walk and see exactly where I'm going. And God is a good God. 
I don't know how deeply I can tell you how good of a God he is. But again, we see it as I prayed on Thursday, nothing happened for weeks, so we just stopped praying. Because God seems to have this long requirements of me just for me to see his goodness. But we already said all these things will follow those who believe. My job is to believe. And when we say believe, I'm not just talking about believing that God is God, right? We all believe that. Is God God? Yes. Is Jesus Christ the one who died to save our sins and on the third day rose again? Yes. But demons believe that too. That's the difference between you and the demon. You walk in it. You are in the light. The demon is not in the light. You are in the light. You know, again, my opinion, Bob. I'm starting to believe. You know, the scripture says, be ye holy even as your heavenly father is holy, or be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. It's telling you, to me, it's a position as opposed to a command. That the Holy Spirit is in you, so you are perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You are holy as your heavenly father is holy. Not because of you, but because you have his holy spirit on the inside of you. Oneness. I believe that's what that scripture is talking about. Oneness. It's saying the Holy Spirit who's holy in you is as holy as God is holy. And you, you can approach the throne of God. You, yeah, you can approach the throne of God. This is what I'm saying. That your power is not in the miracles, it's not in the signs. They're just going to follow you. That's just, it's just going to happen. But your power is the name of Jesus and the, the authority that you can go into the throne room of God and you can make petition by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you say, okay, God, listen, for this city, I have a burden for this. I have a burden for something. The thoughts of our minds cannot continually be about things that are of this world. Worried about my rent. I'm worried about my, my finances. I'm worried about my clothes. I'm worried about the interview. I'm worried about the job. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about the food I'm going to eat. I'm worried about my calories. I'm worried about my weight. I'm worried about, and, and, and here we live. Here we live. Does anybody ever say, I'm worried about the righteousness of Oklahoma. I'm worried about the righteousness of America. I'm worried about the sin that I'm continually seeing. I'm worried about that. In your fight against sin, you have not contended until the place of death. And so because your mind is set on these things that are happening here, then it is difficult for us to experience true freedom. Who wants to sign up for God to wake them up at 12 o'clock in, 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 in the morning to pray for North Korea? Or to pray for, what's his name, King Jong, whatever. To pray for him. Who wants to be woken up in the middle of the night to pray for some person that you have no idea who they are and you stay up for five hours praying and interceding for them? Who wants to sign up for that? No, but i got to have my sleep because if you don't have your sleep, you know the health consequences that come with not sleeping? It's a big deal. You can have to struggle with that and contend with that and it creates weight and diabetes and whatever, so I need my sleep. We're thinking about the world, thinking about the flesh. 
thing. Again, this is not a convicting message. I don't want you to hear me taking out a big whip and saying, terrible people. I'm saying you are better and greater than you think because of the one who is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater, greater. I'm saying walk into your freedom. Let your mind begin to take hold of your identity and know that man, God, what is there for me? What do you want to do for me? What do you want to do in me, through me? What is my life going to represent? And as you continually go on that journey and search, I am telling you, God is going to open so much doors for you that you're going to see his greatness. This not without a fight. The presence of the Spirit of God walking with you does not equate the absence of trial or the absence of tribulation. Rather, it means that there is more of it, and all God wants to do is show his glory. And the reason he wants to show his glory through you, so you're going to have to go through a struggle. You're going to have to go through a moment where things are difficult for God to say, now let me show you how I do it. And then he shows you and he reveals himself and you know him at a greater level. You read a book of Acts and you read all these, they, they went through stuff. None of them came to a full knowledge of Christ and then were like, okay, man, smooth sailing. My rent's paid. I got the highest house on the hill. All the possession that I need is here. My counting is done. My thoughts are straight. And everything I keep proper, nice, and neat. No, it's, 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 it's a battle. It's a, it's a continual battle. And we're going to talk about how to battle that. But the one thing that we've got to settle in our minds is who we are in Christ. Because then we will be able to see him move in our midst. <laughs> Guys, God is, God is moving. God is doing stuff. Will you not see? And the reason you won't see, or the reason I'm, I won't see, is because I keep contending and fighting the wrong battle. I'm trying to fight for the simple things. So Paul reaches a place of maturity and says, I've learned to be content in every and all situations. Whether I'm in plenty, whether I'm in want, I've learned to be content. Why is he content? Because he has Jesus Christ. Okay. So here's our battle. With the world the flesh with the world we talk about the material things the culture in which we live in everything is trying to get you to move away from the truth the bible says in john chapter one that grace and truth came through jesus christ so everything in the world is trying to move you away from that truth everything in your flesh is an antithesis or is against the goodness of god and in order for us to walk in the goodness of God, we have to come to a place in which we accept that Jesus in us is, is greater. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after what the flesh is calling, but who walk after the spirit. Which means that my desire and my job is to always continually desire to walk after the spirit. To continually pray that God shapes my desires. So that my desires become his desires. Because right now the things that I desire is pizza and spaghetti and 
movies that are awesome when's the next marvel movie those are the things that i design my flesh but when i ask the lord to give me his desire that they become my desire then it shifts the things that i'm concerned about and then i have a burden for a city i have a burden for a ministry i have a burden for a person i have a burden for people and then i can move in that direction and again when i say that most times i feel like the fear is oh my gosh if i start having a burden for the city now i can't have pizza I'm going to lose on my pizza. I'm going to lose on the life that I enjoy. I enjoy movies. And you're telling me to give up the movies. No, I'm saying as you have your desire shaped with the Lord, you get the movie and you get the burden. But if you just look at the movie, you never get the burden and you don't move in the direction that you're supposed to move in. And listen, at some point, there's some movies you will give up on. It's just natural. And you realize, my, why did I care about that so much? Okay? So at the end of the day, pursue things of the spirit desire that god shapes your desire and in so doing he will help you to fight in these realms okay so the next thing that we want to talk about and i don't want to dwell too much on it because i did at one point and it doesn't help to dwell too much on it because the Bible constantly talks more about Jesus and your strength and position in Christ than it talks about you want to get into demonology you can but I believe that it is again my opinion box I believe that it's a futile exercise it's better for you to know more of God and become innocent of evil and in so doing you will crash Satan underneath your feet okay but some people want to know about demonology, and some people want to know about Satan and how all that works, and you know what is it about. Okay, okay, so we're going to touch on it a little bit. All right. So the influence of Satan is by anywhere my notes. What you do to them? Did you say? <laughs> Okay, for those that are listening, Ashley is my wife every day. Um, okay. It is important not for us to understand that Satan is not everywhere present. Okay? He's not like God. He is not equal to God. I know he's called an adversary, but he's not a worthy adversary. So it's not like God is just a little bit more powerful than Satan. God is all-powerful. Satan has limited power. Okay? So it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to understand that they are ranks and files within that kingdom too. Rulers, principalities, and all that. And I really don't want to go deep into it. But again, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if you're looking at flesh and blood as your enemy, you have a problem that you're never going to be able to solve. Because flesh and blood is always going to exist in front of you. Okay? If you if I am your problem, you're not going to solve it. Because you can never get rid of me. Then you could kill me. But then Tommy will take my place. Okay? And you're still going to have a problem with people. So when you look at issues and you look at the things that we face as a nation. Or you look at the things that you face as a city. The problem is not against flesh and blood. So here's what I want you to understand. Oh, boy. Ah, okay. Each area 
geographically is governed by some principality. Based on that principality, you will see a lot of such activities happening in that geographical area. For example, there are places that, are that, that have a lot more prostitution than others. It's not just this place, oh my gosh, is just bad. It's there's a principality, a stronghold within that area that causes men and women to indulge in such activities. There's also a principality of religion where people are locked down in religion, don't have a relationship with God, but are locked down in religion in which they practice the, thing of the things of God but do not move in the name of Jesus. And they hide things because, again, I'm always going to present myself as this image to you, but in the secret place, I am something else. I am doing something else. Spirit of religion. So those things can govern areas and principalities. So as you pray, if you really have a heart for nations, if you really have a heart for cities, if you really develop a heart for people in different places, you will understand these things and it will help you to pray accordingly. Because your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, Ephesians chapter 6. So I think it is essential for us to understand there is a battle, and we have a part to play in it. And the battle is wanting to what? Take control of your mind. Because then if you think a particular way, you will act in that particular way. Okay? I'm not going to get into the level. Some people, I mean, I know about them, but get into the levels, which demon is smaller than which one, which one, which one. We won't get into that. But what I do want to get into is Satan's way in which he tries to get to us. Number one, Satan is a tempter. Did I spell that right? Okay. Annie, First Thessalonians 3 and 5. Satan is a tempter because of our nature, having a sin nature, and because of the world we live in, Satan is going to use these things to try and tempt you so that when you fall into these places, again, this is why John, John is writing, right? When we fall to temptation, it's because we already have a sin nature. For example, I've never had a problem with alcohol. So you cannot tempt me with alcohol. But I have problems with other things that I have to battle. I can be tempted in those areas. So then I have to put safeguards in my life in order not to fall to that temptation. But if I was to fall to that temptation... What Satan wants you to do is to call yourself done. It's over. It's finished. You failed. You're done. You failed. You're out of it. It's gone. Finito. You cannot walk with the Lord anymore. Look how unrighteous you are. Look at what you do. Look at the things that you think. Right? And then he tempts you with the things that's already within your need. Go, go for it, please. First three and yes. Yes. 
That is why, when I could bear it no longer, I sent Timothy to find out whether your faith was still strong. I was afraid that the tempter had gotten the best of you and that our work had been useless. Okay. He was afraid that the tempter, which is Satan, had gotten the best of them and their work is useless. Now, again, if we remember, they're demons, principalities, blah, 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 blah. So it's not like Satan is in every place, but you have principalities and all that and demons that are in different places. So the tempter then then getting to them and then the work is undone because they have fallen into temptation. And so then John writes and he says, listen, I am writing to you that you do not sin, but if you do, he doesn't write it in this tone. I'm writing to you so that you do not sin. And if you do, oh my gosh, we've got to fix this. This is a big problem that we've got. It's a big issue that we've got to take care of. He's saying I'm writing to you that if you do, there is a way out. Seven times a righteous man falls. How does it end? Seven times he? So the one who stays down is the one that is unrighteous. Do you understand? The one who stays down, again, we're going back to identity. We're always going to go back to identity. The one who stays down is the one who's unrighteous. But the one who's righteous gets up. Why do you get up? Because of the fact that you believe in the work and the power of Jesus and what he has done on the cross. When he says he died for your sins, it's not the ones that you just thought of. It's not the ones that you committed yesterday. It's even the ones that are in front of you. I'm showing you your power. Now, when I say these things, I've been accused of saying, yeah, you know what? You give license to people to just go do what they want. Well, if you're going to go do what you want and just sin like that, you do not love the Lord. Because nobody who loves the Lord can just decide, you know what, party up in here, and I'm just going to go do what I want. You contend. But I'm saying in your contention, understand that you're actually fighting from a position of strength and not weakness. That should you fall, you want to get up. So he's going to tempt you. Right? But remember what the Bible says, no temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to men. One of the most freeing things in my life is to understand that somebody else has a struggle just like I do. So what the devil's going to try and do is isolate you. And you think your problem is just common to you. Yes. Oh, I'm ge- I, I'm getting there. I, I'm getting there. You're so you're so way ahead of me. It's actually it's actually in your notes. I, I'm I'm going note by note. You're you're going you're going way ahead. Okay, you you're going way ahead of me. I, I'm 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 coming. I'm 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 coming. Okay. All right. So. Again, no temptation has seized you beyond that which is common to men. That means every temptation you are facing is a common temptation. There's no one that, oh my gosh, the temptations that I face are much greater. No. Everybody faces temptation. It's common. But God provides a way. What's the way? Jesus is the way. To live in the word with wisdom and understanding. He prays in Ephesians, I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding that you would know him better. Because the more you know him, the more you know yourself. And the better you can walk in freedom. So he's a tempter. Number two, he's an accuser. 
Which part? Which one? I just spit them out. Which one? Okay. Go listen to the tape. <laughs> listen to the recording again. Because I'm lost now. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> okay. Accuse. How do you spell accuser? Thank you. Thank you. Annie, Revelations. Or is it Revelation? Revelation 12.10. Revelation 12.10. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> What's the most powerful accusation that one can make? Is it to accuse you of something you have not done or something that you have done? Remember that. Remember that. He's the accuser of brethren to accuse you of something that you have done. My wheels are turning. Where is this scripture? It says... that This is one that has been plucked out of the fire. Tommy, I'm going to give you a job. Can you Google the scripture? Uh, find the scripture where it says, the Lord... Hang on. It says, is this not one plucked out of the fire? You guys are getting this fresh from heaven, guys. Is it not one? Is this not one who is plucked out of the fire? Yeah. All right. Zechariah chapter three, verse one. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, Put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord gave a charge to Joshua. He had filthy rags before the Lord. Yes. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 1 through 6. Joshua had filthy rags. You have 
filthy rags and the accuser is going to come and accuse you of your filthy rags but you have been snatched from the fire because of what Jesus Christ has done the punishment for filthy rags has already been paid it doesn't need to be paid again and you feeling sorry and bad and terrible and whatever is not payment it's just exactly what the accuser wants you to think and feel So that you walk against your identity. And when you do so, you lose your power and your strength. Not lose it, but you just don't use it. When we don't use that power and strength, he thrives. Yeah, we speak. And we say, man, I just have filthy rags. That's all I have. That's all I am. That's all I ever will be. My mama wore filthy rags. I wear filthy rags. My mama before her wore filthy rags. We all got filthy rags in our family. That's all we do. And then we stay there. Yet you have the name. I told you I got too much to cover. I'm just going as the Lord leads me. Okay, Annie, Second Corinthians chapter four, chapter four and verse four. Chapter four and verse four. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Okay, and then do Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Yes. Yes. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. Okay. Man, what the enemy wants to do is to take away your desire to see truth. Because if your eyes are kept from truth, you will continually walk in a lie. And he is known as the father of. And when you walk in the lie as though it were true, you walk continually defeated. And you walk in true deception. Okay. Got too much to cover, so I'm not going to stay here. And then Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Okay. David had the same problem when he counted the, the armies. He was not supposed to, and he did it. 
It said the, the, the devil came, the enemy came, and he infiltrated David's mind, and David went unto count the fighting men. Judas, Satan came, and it says the moment that he, what he ate, uh, some moment, the devil set, sits on Judas, and Judas, now I'm getting to what you were talking about, but then that's when Judas now starts doing and bidding what Satan wanted him to do. And then the Bible says when Satan left him, Judas was riddled with guilt, and that's where he goes and he hangs himself. Okay? So, Satan can infiltrate the mind. Again, everything is happening in the mind. He's going to tempt, accuse, to blind, and to infiltrate. So when you hear people say, get in the word, know the truth, know the truth, know the truth, know the truth, is to keep you in the light, to keep you seeing the light that is in front of you. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Without that word, I cannot see. If I cannot see, I am liable to all of these things. We together? Okay. All right. Possession versus oppression. Okay. Can a Christian, a child of God, be possessed by the devil? Okay. But they can be. Okay. So I don't have to go in depth with this. We understand the difference between these two. Right. Who do you belong to? Right. The Bible says you were bought at a price. So that means I belong to to Jesus so I cannot belong to two masters okay now if somebody does not have Jesus they can be possessed okay but if you have Jesus you can be oppressed and the oppression happens in you believing that which is not true everything that we have been covering when you take hold of something that is not true then you are oppressed of the devil so that's when you have depression and you have all these things you look down on yourself you're sad you just walk in no authority at all because you're under the oppression of the enemy even though you are saved okay so when we talk about deliverance essentially we're talking romans 12 1 right do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world i think that's that that that's that's verse two, because one it says, "Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, instead of God." And then verse two, "Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." And once your mind is renewed, then you can see God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you are not seeing God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, that means that you are oppressed. If you do not see the goodness of God, then it is a sign that you are potentially being oppressed. Using the very things that are happening within your life. Truth is truth regardless of how I feel about it. Regardless of whether I see it, whether I want it, whether I reject it, 
whether I, I dance around it, it still remains true. And if I don't see that truth, then it is easy to walk under oppression. Remember what I said. The thing that makes it difficult about deliverance is because when somebody is under oppression, at most times what they see is what they think is absolutely true. And then when you come in with your word and your light, they might not be able to see the light as they should because they are oppressed. So when Jesus came, he said, I've come to set the captives free. So we're going to look at two different words here again. There is a difference between these two things. There's a difference between deliverance and there's a difference freedom. Two different things. You can be delivered but not be free. Okay? Annie, Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. Yes. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. When, fi when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lean lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them around led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Okay. I don't know if you can see this. I didn't have time. I should have projected it onto the screen. But this is the journey that the Israelites took from Egypt to the Promised Land. Okay. If you go here, very short. But they went all the way, this red mark is what they did to get to the promised land. Right. Were they delivered from Pharaoh? Were they free? Because they then clamored and they said, all we have to eat here is manna. Because we're back then, when we were with our captors, at least we had steak. We had chicken. Because they were delivered. But they were not free. So now, when you talk about deliverance, so I'm going to teach you as people that will one day be able to pray for somebody. Oh, my goodness, it's 1019. <sighs> I really wanted to pray. Okay. Okay. If somebody, you do this for somebody, that's taking them from a place of oppression. 
and in some cases possession. And you take them off of this place and you bring them to a place that is free. If you do this, like you deliver them, you take them from one place and you put them into another place, you have delivered them. But in order for them to walk in true freedom, they have to have a renewal of their mind. If there is no renewal of the mind, the Bible says when you tell a demon to go into the arid places, it will come back seven times more because it finds the place clean. When it says clean, it means that there is no living Holy Spirit that is guiding this person to walk in true freedom. So when you are doing deliverance or when you yourself are wanting to go through deliverance, you've got to understand that there are two things that need to happen. One, deliverance is taking you from an environment or a place in which you cannot thrive to a place that you can thrive, but it's still your responsibility to walk in the freedom. It is not God who's going to magically just somehow do things in your life. Christianity, faith, kingdom, is a responsibility on your part and my part. We don't just lay there and God take over because God does not remove free will. So you're being taken from this place. So if somebody has a demonic activity, demonic oppression, or possessed of a demon, and you pray in the name of Jesus, go, make sure that once they come here, that they have to understand that they take hold of their own life to walk in true freedom by accepting the teaching, the gospel, and allowing God to show them the way. That's why Paul then writes, because again, it's a mind thing. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is pure, think, meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So if my mind then is set on what is not true, what is not pure, what is not trustworthy, then in doing so, that's in Philippians, by the way, read the whole book and you find it. If I don't set my mind on those things, then what's going to happen is I'm not going to find true freedom. So your job is twofold if you're going to help somebody walk in, in freedom. You deliver them. If it is oppression, which is mostly what you're going to face, or possession, and you're going to command that spirit, whatever manner it is, to leave, and if it does, and that person comes here, don't just go, yay, great, party, no, you know, you're, you're good. No, you you got to take responsibility now, okay? Is that good? Okay, so just remember those two things when it comes to that. So I'm going to give you the weapons, and then hopefully we get a little bit of time to pray here. Okay, so these are your tools for deliverance. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6 on this one. I'm not going to, it's the longest, so I could actually spend the whole class on it. The armor of God. All right. Number one, this is the best one. If you just do this, you're great. You're in a great position. If you just do the armor of God. Okay. 
but I'm going to break it down a little bit here. Number one is prayer. Okay? These are your strengths or your tools that you use for deliverance. So you meet somebody and somebody has oppression or something is happening. First thing that you want to do is obviously to pray because you're going you're gonna to connect with God. You command things to happen. The power of them happening is the Holy Spirit. Just remember, dunamai, dunamis, miracle, power that comes from the Holy Spirit. We started that in the first class, right? So I don't have power per se. My authority and power is in the name. And when I do things in the name, then the Holy Spirit does the work, okay? So I've got to be prayed. I have to be prayed up. Oh, my gosh, we don't have time. I was going to tell you some neat stories. But you go and you try to do this, and you're not prayed up. It's a battle. You'll overcome, but it's a battle. You know, I've had demons talk back and then accuse me of stuff that I did. And say, well, you want to talk to me about you did this, and then you cower away. When you're prayed up, it's much easier. Okay, number two is the word. You've got to know the word. Now, I love the word of God. I took it upon myself to memorize a bunch of scriptures. It helps. Because what God does is in times when you need him, he brings those scriptures to remembrance. It's been a while since I read that scripture we read in Zechariah, but he just dropped it in my mind. I said, oh, yes. And I knew it was in there. I don't always know where it is, but that's okay. That's why God invented Google. It wasn't men. <laughs> it was God. He gave wisdom to some people to invent Google. They try to use it for evil, but we use it for good. Okay? So, then I look up the scriptures and I find them. So, I hope one day to do a, 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 a topical memory system that I use and to teach you how to memorize scripture because it, it, it helped me a ton. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it helped me a ton to just memorize and just punch as many scriptures into my mind as possible so that when I need them, so when, when, when you're praying for somebody and, and, and something someone speaks and they speak a lie, you have a word to speak right back. Say, this is what the word says because remember how Jesus did it with the devil? It is written, it is written, it is written. So I want to know what's written so that I have it in my mind so that I'm ready, okay? And if I don't know the word, then it's easy also for me to be fooled or to be deceived or to end up in the wrong place, okay? Next is the Holy Spirit. You have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Again, you are just there, kind of like the conductor. And the power is coming from the Holy Spirit. So you've got to be with the Holy Spirit when you're trying to do deliverance. Or when you yourself are wanting to walk in deliverance, invite the Holy Spirit in you. The Bible says in Corinthians, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So one of the things that you should do if you're praying for somebody and you think that there's some oppression that's happening there is to tell them to say the name of Jesus. In most cases, they don't want to or they cannot or they shy away or they try and grit their teeth. Okay. So you need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to show you how to navigate that scenario. And sometimes to say, let's stop right here, say a prayer, and let them go home. You don't have to win every single battle. It's not for you to win every single battle. Now the places you want to say, hey, 
thanks for coming. We'll pick it up next week. Or hey, I don't feel like I'm in the one in the in, I'm in the position to be able to do this. I suggest you go to someone else or you go somewhere else. Because again, what's really important is not that they are delivered, but that people walk in freedom. So if you've got no place for them to walk in freedom, which is why it is always essential that that person is attached to a local church, because then they have a better chance of hearing the word so that they can grow in it. We together? So be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then next is the blood of Jesus. All right, what cleanses us from all unrighteousness? Okay, the life of the animal is in the, your life is in the, okay, so you have the blood of Jesus, and so you you want to talk about the blood of Jesus. Now, again, opinion box, opinion box, you can't throw stones, okay? When the Bible talks about generational stuff, stuff that's passed on from parents to children or from grandkids, grandfathers and grandmothers to the grandkids. Okay, sometimes you need to pray the bloodline and plead the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm in my opinion box because some theologians and teachers and preachers and will disagree with me. But I've done it and it, I, I, I'm so far removed from where my family is because of that. My brother grew up in the same home. He hasn't done it and he's going through the same things that my grandfathers went through. Right? But I've done it. So I'm speaking for what happened with me. Again, my opinion box, you can't throw stones. Okay? But I believe in it. So I plead the blood of Jesus from the whole generation from my mother and the whole generation from my father so that I walk in true freedom. Because the Bible does say that. That the sins of the father's father will come to the grandkids. Okay? Because you're growing up in the same environment. All right. And then uh, after that, the biggest one is the name. These are your weapons. This is what you have to fight. You will succeed because he walks in you. So that means I've got to understand what it is to pray. If anyone in here has ever begged the Lord, I'm here to tell you that is not biblical. Don't beg. Or if you feel like the more sorrier you get, the more hurtful you look, the more sad you are, then God is going to move. That is not faith. That's manipulation. It works on your earthly parents. It doesn't work with God. Because that is shrinking away. If my righteous one should shrink back, I will not be pleased with him. Hebrews, read the whole book. He says, I will not be pleased. So that means I'm begging. I'm saying, God, you don't want to. Or God, you're unable. Or God, you don't understand the situation enough that I got to show you how hurting this is. I got to beg you because you don't want to. I got to assume a less than posture for you to move. God's going to move because you believe that he is God and that he will reward because you diligently seek him. 
So you got to learn to pray. Watch your tongue. Because when you pray, you pray with boldness. That's why you have to know the word. Because then you can pray the word. And you can stand. He says, Habakkuk came. And when you're about to punish the people of Israel, he said, no, I will go and inquire of the Lord. I'm here to inquire of you, Lord. Why is it that I continually see these things happening in my life? Why is it that it doesn't break through? You will answer me today, Lord, because that is your nature. That is who you are. You are a good God, and I will not believe different. Show me. Oh, God, this is the seventh year. Please let it happen. I've been waiting for so long. I'm hurt now. You choose. But faith knows God will and wants to. Fear is afraid that he might not. Okay, know your word. Guys, you cannot stress it enough. How are you going to know this God unless you read the word? Get the word in you. And I don't know how anybody does this without the Holy Spirit. Because I can't keep it together for a second. I cannot. I cannot keep it together for a second. But I believe he's here. And I believe he's next to me and that he walks with me. I got to squeeze his hand and say, hey. Most of the time, even these classes you've had that we've been teaching, I have no idea what I'm doing. I hope you understand that. I'm not saying that to, 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 to brag on myself, but to really tell you. I sit there. You can ask my wife. I sit there and I go, oh, what are we going to teach? How are we going to go about this? Are we, what are we going to do? What if I leave out the good things? What if I put the bad things? What if I forget things? What if I say things wrong? I'm nervous before I go up and preach there because those are people's lives. These are your lives that I have in my hand. And with the things that I say can change the trajectory of where you go. And if I have confidence in myself to do it, I'm always afraid that I'm going to mess it up, that I'm going to say something that's theologically off. I'm going to say something that is not true or in line with the... I have those concerns and worries, but I have to lean on the Holy Spirit and say, guide me. Because I don't, it's not a show. I'm just here to let you take over and do what you want. And it's hard. It's hard because obviously when people say, hey, that was a great class. You did great. I feel good about it. But I got to remain under the cross and know that it wasn't me. It was him. So that's why I need the Holy Spirit. So I don't know how anybody does it without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to do finances. You know, we can budget all we want, but I know we're going to go off somewhere. So I need the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be a pastor. I don't know. It's not like I sat down in a class and I said, this is how pastors are. And even then, I don't trust myself to carry it out. I need the Holy Spirit. Oh, the precious blood. Man, man, I walk in righteousness. I don't walk in self-condemnation because of this. To walk in self-condemnation, you might as well show Jesus the middle finger. When you walk in condemnation. Because you're saying what you did was not enough. It's, it's just not enough. I cannot be cleansed by your blood. Surely I cannot be righteous. That's what you do. But because of the blood, I'm so thankful. I'm humbled. But humbled and confident because I have the name. That's freedom. Guys, this is freedom. This is the picture of freedom. Right here. So these are not tools that are in a bag that I only start to use as I have need. This is who you are. 
You pray. You have the word. You walk with the Holy Spirit. You acknowledge the blood of Jesus. And you have the name on the authority that is in Jesus Christ. If you could all stand to your feet. I've taken six minutes of your time. Do you have a word? Okay. Just be praying about it. Okay. Everybody lift up your hands for me, please. I want you to be in a place of surrender. When you're here, you're here because of Jesus being present. Not because of me. I am as nothing as nothing is. So I want you to open your hearts right now. Holy Spirit, I believe you're here. And I believe you desire to be in the hearts of men and women here. Show them your truth. Show them your way. I pray that you begin to touch in the name of Jesus every single person that's in here to inspire, to direct, to reveal, to love, to hold dearly. Right now, touch, Lord. Don't let go. Hold the hearts of men right now. In Jesus' name, because I believe you desire it more than I do, that we would walk in true and absolute righteousness. Everybody's hands down. Stay in that attitude of worship. If you're here and you struggle with the love of God, you struggle receiving the love of God, expressing the love of God, just raise your hand up and put it down real quickly. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that there will be such an outpouring of love for those that have raised their hands. That God, you would minister to that place that's so intimate into their hearts that you would pour out your love and your grace. Such an outpouring to touch them. That God, there would no doubt anymore, no fear, because perfect love casts doubt and covers a multitude of wrong right now in the name of Jesus. you're here and you struggle with God as Father, raise your hand and put it down real quickly. See those hands. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Everybody that has raised their hands, that God, you would show the term Father so endearing that you would lead, not as an earthly father leads, just like you have led me. Even though I did not grow up with my father, you have led me and I don't struggle to see you as a father who leads, who's so loving who desires to give good gifts to his children and desires to give them the wisdom to walk in the place that they need to. In Jesus' name. If you struggle with sadness, depression, self-doubt, raise your hand and put it down real quickly. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. A peace that surpasses all understanding by your Holy Spirit just to wash over them just like you've rested on my heart and on many in here rest on people's hearts lord that they don't that can't discredit themselves because of the things that they have seen and done but they lift themselves up to a place of truth 
joy. That is your kingdom, joy in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray your joy right now upon each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all right. Well, thank you so much. It has been wonderful just sharing and breaking bread with you. I encourage you to know that everything you've learned here is just a little tip of the iceberg. Get deeper into the word to learn more about it. Don't take my explanation as it. Be a Berean. Go back into the word and say, what was this guy talking about? And go deeper and search it for yourself. That the conviction that you have of it is for you. And not because I presented in a way that you understood. Make sure you go deeper into the word for yourselves. Because there will come a time when you are called upon to teach or to help somebody walk through the things that you've walked through. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.